morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lam and my co-host today is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about Hong Kong's innovation drive. This comes as the government revealed that over the past year, almost 900 tech companies chose to set up offices in Hong Kong. And out of those 900 firms, 489 chose Cyberport, while the rest remaining 400 opted for Science Park. And while the two tech parks have been vital to Hong Kong's aspiration of becoming a global IT hub, tech sector representatives hope to see more targeted measures, expecting the chief executive's policy address today to target niche fields. So how significant are these figures? What does it tell us about Hong Kong's role and what new policies are needed? And at 9.45 this morning, we'll be looking at black holes ahead of a new science, a space museum exhibition on the phenomena. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on on two double three double eight two double six. And joining us um, on the line this morning, we have Emil Chan. He's a chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing, and also an adjunct professor at City University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Professor Chan. He doesn't seem to be there. And also on the line, we good have morning. Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, morning. yes. Good morning. That's, is that Professor Chan? Hello. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is this is Emil. Can yeah, you hear? Hi, yes. Hi, Emil. And okay. also on the line with us is Michael Gaisley. He's a founder and managing director of IT security firm Network Box Corporation. Good morning, Mr. Gaisley. Good morning. 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 Um, so first of all, uh, Mr. Gaisley, what would you like to see in today's policy address as far as IT development is concerned? I think the problem isn't IT development. I think the problem is actually creating a local market. And the powers that be repeatedly will just say, oh, you know, World Trade Organization, we can't do anything. And meanwhile, around the world, every other place, um, you know, people are supporting and, and trying to choose their own locally developed uh, products and services, while Hong Kong does its best to avoid them. Um, and yet, try and promote, te you know, technology and development. I mean, it makes no sense to me. Elaborate on that. You said other places um, are going ahead and Hong Kong is avoiding. What other places and what exactly are we avoiding, do you think? Yeah, look, I mean, if you, if you talk about, you know, look at what South Korea has done over the last couple of decades, um, the U.S., Japan, you name it, wherever you go, there's a tremendous bias, which is understandable, towards local products and services. And they, they try and use their own locally developed systems. But in Hong Kong, you have a bunch of people in the government who really will do whatever they can to avoid local products, and they end up buying U.S. products. And in my field of cybersecurity, that brings a whole other realm of risks where, you know, there are known backdoors and vulnerabilities and problems in, in such overseas products, notably American ones. Um, and yet we're in a global trade war, cold war, you know, and, and, and China and Hong Kong and Macau are being targeted. All, all the while, um, we're protected, quote unquote, protected by systems that we know have, have deliberate flaws in them. It, it's absurd. Um, when you say products, you mean software? Or well, hardware. It, uh, I mean, in, in Hong Kong, people are developing hardware, things like robotics. Uh, they're developing pharmaceutical products. They're developing a lot of software. Um, it, it, it's not. It's not really what it is. It's the attitude that um, many people in the government take to it that I object to. All right. I, I just want to go to Emil Chan. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Good 
Yeah, good morning. So, so Mr. Gaisley here, he's uh, talking about the different challenges that uh, we are facing in this uh, IT area. Um, but despite all these challenges, uh, almost uh, 900 tech companies have set up offices here over the past uh, 12 months. Uh, would you say that's uh, quite an impressive figure? Uh, yes or no? Uh, because in terms of figure, of course, it, it looks a lot. But, uh, you know, if you uh, go deeper, you'll find that a lot of them, they are early stage startups. So uh, they are quite, uh, you know, uh, immature. So the, we, got to, we got to check or we got to measure it by, you know, how much uh, GDP they are uh, creating, how much jobs they are creating, and then uh, uh, whether they are building an ecosystem. The problem, uh, because I'm, I'm in the startup industry, I'm also the veteran. Of uh, cyberports uh, and mentor uh, for uh, the mentor of uh, many uh, fintech startups for years. So, the, based on my observation, I echo what Michael said. Uh, is about uh, the procurement uh, process of uh, particularly the Hong Kong government and the sizable uh, listed company. They are more uh, in, uh, into the international companies. So the. I think uh, it's quite normal uh, if you allow the startup uh, to uh, your service provider. There's a risk. So the, if I were the, the senior executive uh, of those company or government offices, so the, if I uh, uh, choose the uh, sizable company service, so the, the risk is much lower. So uh, we need uh, a uh, policy or we need uh, a mindset. Uh, like, um, uh, again, Michael said, like the other uh, countries, uh, Korea, you name it, Singapore. So they will set up something like uh, like uh, what we promote in EXG uh, for the uh, government and the sizable companies to consider. So if you do uh, uh, consider to let the startup industry to come into the picture, uh, you will uh, have a lower tax rate, you will have a, uh, some benefit in return. Uh, unfortunately, in the past uh, uh, that case, uh, we seldom find any uh, policies uh, uh, available in Hong Kong. Um, you know, the chief executive previously had emphasized the need for Hong Kong to attract talent. Um, there's a talent scheme. Um, there's been talks that in today's policy address uh, will be, for example, um, make it easier for, for, for people coming into Hong Kong to enter the property market, for example, have their children enrolled in the schools. Do these things help and what more do we need to see? Emil? Well, yeah, it, it is helpful, but uh, to a certain extent, say, if you if you are a, uh, a talent coming from Australia, for example, uh, then uh, you used to live in a sizable uh, household. And then you can have your, your own car driving around and your children can enjoy uh, a more favorable education system. You know, but it's not, not as uh, the pressure uh, as, uh, you know, uh, here in Hong Kong. Sure, but, uh, uh, yeah, but, but, but this whole uh, innovation and technology development is supposed to be part of the integration with the Greater Bay Area. Do you see that as a viable vision? Yes or no. It's not that easy, say, if I'm, I'm the talent. Oh, you, if you, the same, if I'm from, coming from uh, Shenzhen, uh, 
I can enjoy much larger household. I can enjoy, you know, uh, particular. You you know that these days uh, a lot of Hong Kong citizens they go to Shenzhen uh, to enjoy their weekends. So that means the, the lifestyle in uh, Shenzhen is more favorable favorable to Hong Kong. So if we are not solving these fundamental problems, firstly, it's not that easy to attract uh, the the people coming from uh, the other places. Uh, regardless, they, we are paying them the same wages. They won't come. So so the uh, I I treasure this opportunity. I, I I treasure that the government realized that uh, we we are running out of. Uh, 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 talents and doing some uh, 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 task to attract, but the fundamental issues are, are still there. So uh, I, I I wrote a couple of articles before, say uh, the the lifestyle or the quality of life is not as good here in Hong Kong, and it's not easy to attract uh, those uh, uh, talents to come to Hong Kong. Right. And uh, Mr. Chan, of course, uh, some of the companies that have set up their office here, um, uh, they, they, they set it up uh, after being contacted by the Office for Attracting Strategic Enterprises, uh, which is a government initiative aimed at uh, attracting uh, cutting edge companies uh, specializing in health tech, artificial intelligence and uh, big data. Um, what do you think of their work so far? How, how useful um, has this office been in, in attracting these companies? Well, it's quite common, you know, for, for a financial center or whatever, uh, you know, I see it to, uh, on one hand, get those uh, sizable company in. And on the other hand, uh, promote uh, the local companies and the startup to work together with them. Uh, I think the policies are very nice. And if there are companies, they really uh, want to come to, to Hong Kong uh, 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 a lot. The, the issue also come to, you know, there's not enough talent. So uh, I think uh, the way is that uh, if, if I, I were the, uh, the, the yeah, most sizable company, yeah. when I move my team to a place, then I will, I will promote uh, or, or internally provide a lot of uh, benefits for my staff. Uh, to, to, to get the fundamental staff working in Hong Kong and attract the others, uh, uh, new talents to come to Hong Kong, which is a, a, uh, a good move uh, in my eyes. Okay, joining us on the line now is Ethan Lai. He is with global tech. He's global technology strategist with Microsoft. Um, so, Ethan Lai, do you agree with Emil Chan who suggested that the quality of life in Hong Kong is a major obstacle in attracting talent in the IT industry? Uh, I agree on that definitely, right? Okay, because the lives, uh, because nowadays a newer generation, Gen Z, or later on, thinking about not just about the survival, because everyone's saying in Hong Kong just for survival in here, right? And for money, uh, and for day-to-day -day life, right? But nowadays the newer generation thinking is relatively different. Okay, they need to have a life, right? But so many people in the internet saying IT, information technologies at least, right? On the technology pillar, right? That's low life, right? This is not a good idea. I think the overall atmosphere, okay, or even vibe, right? Need to be changed or change the culture to give the great impression for the people. Uh, 
not just thinking that if going to the technology areas, if that's no life, doing research, that's no life, right? I think this uh, from the government perspective, from the enterprise, from the company perspective, they need to doing something. We try to change the impressions of overall culture or environment wide, right? In order to attract more younger generation to join this pillar. Otherwise, we cannot have a new block, okay, to try to join the technology pillar. We cannot success for the for the technology areas in Hong Kong, right? Right. And Mr. Lai, I know Microsoft, uh, it's uh, set up this uh, office here for some time now. What attracted mm. Microsoft to set up an office here in the first place? Uh, what attractive? Yes, what up, attracted, right? yes. Ah. Actually, we do a renovations in Microsoft Hong Kong for a while, already, maybe five or six years ago. Okay, In old days, okay, in the traditional office, maybe I can say Microsoft may be the relatively pioneers on the open office. Just like a library, <laughs> no partition between, right? Okay, between the people. Okay, not necessary to to have a barriers between the people communications, right? Okay, and we are not uh, strictly enforce the people to go into office, right? Uh, day to day, nine to six, okay, to for the work, right? We already uh, using the hybrid work concept for a while already, and definitely from the office perspective, because I. I got some of my friend, okay, doing some in you know, some enterprise. One of the things they share with me is very interesting. The younger generation will ask the question is, what is your office look like, okay? Maybe they would like have a tour in your office before going to join your join your team and join the company, right? So the line from understanding, right, that's very interesting areas. They would like to see the working style, working environments, right? Working quality before thinking to join that company or not, right? So Microsoft, right, definitely, that's an open office, definitely have a lot of the convenience or uh, facility, uh, enjoyable areas, okay? You can, the, the employee can join uh, and relax, okay? Instead of just keep working, right? Definitely, this is a good idea for encourage the people to just relax and try to be more productive. Yeah, I haven't been to your Microsoft office. I have, though, been to the Google office, which sounds a lot like what you just described. Mm. You know, they have yeah, pantry, they have similar. games. Yeah, pantry. Yeah, right. But uh, yesterday... Infinity Coke, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 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 you know, yesterday um, there was a news item in which um, Google basically said they had received a record number of complaints from the Hong Kong government about, you know, how the performance of the search engines coming up with... Um, uh, basically um, search answers uh, the Hong Kong government doesn't want to see and that the, they took half of them down. What what kind of impact does it have on the IT companies, the, this kind of um, restrictions? Uh, this kind of restrictions, right? I cannot share too much over this call at the moment, right? <laughs> but the restriction, I think we need some time because we have the Microsoft has a legal team. I trust Google, okay, or other cloud tech giants also has the legal team to review the latest policy from the government before we give the official response at the moment. I cannot say too much at the moment <laughs> for the questions. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Gaisley, what about you? Do you think, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, yesterday in the news, um, Google was talking about receiving complaints from the government about some of their search answers. So do you think that has an impact on IT industry? Well, I, I actually um, been doing IT in Hong Kong for decades, and I'm perhaps in one of the most sensitive areas, which is cybersecurity. And I have to say the complete reverse. I mean, overseas, various American, European, 
um, other places, they their products and services um, often come with backdoors, vulnerabilities, and various issues, many of which are introduced by their various governments. Um, in Hong Kong, I've been doing this for you know almost 40 years now. I've never had any government official come and try and control anything or insert a backdoor or, or do anything untowards whatsoever, which is completely unlike the rest of the world. So that's a positive thing, really, for the IT industry, you know, the... the, the oh, the I think the development, the technology, I mean, we've, at Network Box, we've won more than 160 awards around the world over the last 25 years. Um, the technology's patented, you know, we've got all, all these different international certifications for ISO and so on. I mean, I think the product development and so on is, is, is great. The problem is we have people at the top of the government who absolutely have no interest in developing a local sort of, you know, marketplace. I mean, they have the same excuses over and over. Oh, you know, once again, the WTO, or if you get past that one, they sort of say, oh, well, the Hong Kong market's so small anyway, we can, you know, kind of muzzle it and it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, of course it matters. I mean, how are these startups that you're introducing going to grow and, and, and become successful? I mean, Network Box is perhaps one of the most early and, and successful startups in Hong Kong in, in the tech field. Um, and yet, you know, we did it in spite of the government, not because of them. All right. Mr. Gaisley, we just heard from uh, Eason Lai from Microsoft about uh, why uh, Hong Kong may be attractive to, to his company. Um, in your view, what are the pros and cons of uh, setting up uh, an office here for, for an IT company? Well, for an IT company, the infrastructure is world class. Um, the power, the Internet. You know, Hong Kong's in, in a place that, that doesn't, you know, doesn't have earthquakes. It doesn't have sort of natural disasters. Um, the people are hardworking. The law is, is excellent here for intellectual property and so on. I mean, I, I think to start up, Hong Kong is definitely one of the best places in the world. If we can introduce more of a local market for these startups to operate in, then I think, you know, they'll, they'll grow up and become successful. And I think the fact that you know, you're, you're having a program here where one of the major contributors is this local company called Microsoft. Don't think so. You know, I mean, that, that is a problem in itself. I mean, we need more local successes, which are only going to come about if we develop this local marketplace. Right. And uh, Mr. Gaisley, you just mentioned uh, the issue of uh, cybersecurity. I mean, on this issue, I mean, what do you think? Just last month, uh, there was a data leak at Cyberport where the uh, personal data of staff from Cyberport and some startup companies were leaked into the dark web. Um, is that something that would uh, deter IT companies from coming here? Um, no, I don't. that I don't. I don't think so because uh, cybersecurity incidents are happening worldwide. But once again, the, the the people in charge of Hong Kong, the the IT department OGO here, uh, I've been speaking to them ad nauseam, and uh, I, I think sadly until some of the top people there leave and retire or whatever they're going to go and do with their lives until they're gone um, hong kong's going to suffer these problems how do you see the future in terms of integrating with the greater bay area well that that obviously is part of the future but we should also integrate with the rest of the world i mean we want to become a successful hong kong it infrastructure for everybody um so talk a little bit more about about the greater bay area how, you know, do you see the, the you know the, the Hong Kong government is trying to integrate you know the Northern New Territories with the Northern Metropolis, all part of the Greater Bay Area? Do you see that IT hub more sort of further up north from us rather than here? 
Well, I, I think that just because one place is successful doesn't mean another place can't be. Um, I, I wouldn't be defeatist like that. Um, and, and I think Hong Kong has its charms. I think Hong Kong um, is, is a great place to be. Uh, it, you know, there, there are a lot of advantages to being here. Emil Chambers and, and also Ethan and I were saying the quality of life that, that um, younger you know, uh, people sort of are looking for uh, may not be here. Would you say that? Well, obviously... Hong Kong can be an expensive place to live, but I think there is balance here where when you're talking about, um, you know, entertainment, restaurants, uh, government facilities, there are world-class ones and there are also affordable ones. You know, not everything is is just expensive. Um, But obviously, you know, the more successful your startup can become, the more you can pay your people and the more they can enjoy the, the finer things in life, if, that, if that's what they're after. Right. I just want to go back to uh, Ethan Lai, Mr. Lai. I know uh, Microsoft uh, also uh, offers uh, support for startups here. And uh, are they mainly for tech-related startups? Oh, actually, yes. Okay. Uh, actually, not 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 natively if you decare because uh, some non-tech startups, some of the biometrics, something, right, okay? We are also giving some support in there, right? As long as you enroll in our startup program, right, we can uh, offer some, some crack that I can say, right, okay? Definitely check it out our website for more details, right? To to yeah. using our free crack to support your research or support your website hosting at least, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, with the cloud services, definitely with the AI. Right. So, so what are the main yeah. challenges faced by these startups? Um, definitely, is a startup funding from understanding, right? Okay, because they need to do an R and D research from the people with perspective. They need to uh, hire the people, right? Research the product, right? Everything. Everyone is setting a startup, okay? Not like a system integrator. They need to develop a product. I think the most important thing for the startup is the people, right? Before the people, they cannot make the product happen, right? Definitely, they need to have very, very high engineering skill or computer science skill to make it product happens nowadays. Or even in other sectors, not just IT, right? Maybe it's doing some research in biometrics. They also need the people, right? From our perspective, from the technology vendor perspective, definitely we have some start program to support from the technology perspective. Something like, as I said, very simple, at least I think you need to host a mobile app or even website, right? That we can give some sponsor from tech drive perspective. And definitely nowadays, everyone's saying artificial intelligence, right? I trust AI can help the overall part of R&D, uh, including if you would like to make a mobile app, okay, to compete in some some citizen in Hong Kong, for example, right? Okay, in old days, you may have need to have a high skill over three or five years or computer science majors, right? Uh, student to join and then try to do the research and development on that mobile app or, or website on or, or and that ideas, right? But with the AI, nowadays, the entry requirement is relatively lower because we have the AI to help you to assist you, right? We call it co-pilot to assist the people more easier to do the cocktail and make the product development happen, right? Okay, that is our support, right, from the tech drive perspective. Yeah, Emil yeah, Chang, uh, would you agree? I mean, from the government's perspective, you know, saying uh, we, we have, you know, top-ranking universities, we have investment, uh, we have uh, Science Park, 
we have all those elements to make us successful. So what I, what I'm wondering is, you know, Science Park, uh, uh, the 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 Cyberport and Science Park, they're not new. What change that brought in these companies, and what was what must we keep doing to make them continuously successful? Emil Chang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to mention something. Uh, that's a progress. So in the past, it's very hard to convince the government, particularly uh, such as the regulators, to use uh, any services uh, provided by the local startups. But uh, in two years' time, uh, these uh, the last two years, uh, there's a new policy called FinTech yeah. 2025. Sorry to interrupt you there. Sorry behavior. to interrupt you there. Yeah. We're, we're coming up to the news yeah. now. We'll, we'll hold that thought. We'll continue. But meanwhile, let's have a look at the weather. It's mainly fine. The maximum temperature will be around 31 degrees. Moderate east to northeasterly winds. The outlook is for sunny periods in the next couple of days with occasional showers over the weekend. Currently, the temperature is 26 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity 82%. And here's Haley Ip with the news. Chief Executive John Lee will deliver his second policy address later this morning. With much speculation focused on whether and how the government might change its property cooling measures. Known as spicy measures, these are taxes on property transactions introduced years ago to discourage speculators and rein in what was once a red-hot property market. More aid trucks have entered the Gaza Strip from Egypt amid ongoing warnings the supplies are nowhere near enough to support civilians suffering under Israel's continuing airstrikes and blockade. The Palestinian Red Crescent at eight lorries entered via the Rafah crossing yesterday carrying water, food and medicine. And Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, has told a fraud trial in New York that the former president arbitrarily inflated the value of his properties on financial statements. Mr. Cohen is the key witness in the case, which centers on allegations that Mr. Trump deceived banks, insurers and others by overvaluing his assets and exaggerating his net worth. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Crossing the road is a bit like playing chess. You need to be careful and smart. Don't jaywalk and cross between parked vehicles. Be attentive, look around and listen. For safety reasons, you must use the crossing facilities even if you have to walk further. Follow traffic rules and be aware of traffic conditions. Avoid walking into or staying in the blind spots of large vehicles. Mr. Savick reminds you, keep your cool on the road, stay alert, stay alive. This quarter's demand notes for rates and government rent have been posted. There will be no rates concession for this quarter and the next. The total amount due is shown on the demand note. Be sure to pay by October 31st or you'll have to pay a surcharge. If you haven't received the demand note, please call the Rating and Valuation Department's Inquiry Hotline on 2152-0111. To save time, please pay your rates and government rent by autopay or electronic means. Welcome back to Back Chat. Uh, this morning we're talking about the government's innovation drive and still with us is Emil Chan uh, from the City University of Hong Kong. Also Michael Gaisley, he's a director in IT security firm Network Box Corporation and also uh, Eastern Life from Microsoft. Emil Chan, uh, sorry to have interrupted you during the break, uh, just before the break, but yeah, please go on. We were talking about, you know, the Science Park and Cyberport have attracted many new companies. What changed? What, what, what made these companies come now? Emil Chan, are you yeah, there? Yeah. Uh, yes. We mentioned about in the past, the government uh, not uh, providing enough support 
uh, to let the startups uh, to come into the picture uh, because uh, they are more favorable to the sizable companies. But the situation changed uh, around two years ago when, the, uh, for example, the uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority introduced a, a campaign or initiative, called, uh, namely uh, FinTech 2025. So the, uh, one of the major uh, components is that they are building the uh, ecosystem, FinTech ecosystem with new policies. So in the past, uh, as a startup, there's no chance to talk to uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority directly. There's no channel. So uh, they only, uh, the only channel was uh, uh, via the uh, consultants company, the lawyers or whatever that the government trusted. Then uh, now uh, they have uh, a system called regulatory sandbox. Then the wire the sandbox, uh, as long as the startup can partner with a bank or, or the bank support the startup, then we can jointly enter into the sandbox. So with this uh, uh, scheme, uh, with the help of uh, Science Park and uh, Cyberbot, uh, say Cyberbot when may recommend uh, those startups uh, to, to our monetary authority. And uh, with this scheme, uh, the banks start to uh, use the service provided by the, uh, the startups. So the development is there, and I can see further development uh, can be enhanced uh, in the new uh, projects, sizable projects, such as uh, the central bank digital currency, such as the, the commercial data interchange, you know, uh, that engage uh, blockchain technologies. So uh, I'm positive, I'm more positive than before now. Would you agree, Michael Gaisley? Should be more positive now than before? The fintech, you know, Hong Kong has always been strong on finance, obviously. So, you know, fintech seems to be seeing a very positive move. Uh, I think being able to talk to them and actually becoming the solution uh, and, and sort of major part of the puzzle, um, that's the challenge. And as I keep saying, you know, imagine how firms like IBM, HP or Dell would have become successful or even exist today if there was an anti-local bias in the US or Sony, Hitachi and Panasonic, you know, their household names. What if there was a local anti, you know, anti-local bias in Japan or Samsung, LG and Hyundai if there was a anti-local bias in South Korea? I mean, I really do believe strongly that we have to promote local technology and services in Hong Kong or else, you know, we're going nowhere. And governments as large as the one in the U.S., you know, they're turning around with buy local policies. And I think that unless we create a sizable government marketplace and also educate the local market that having high quality local support is an important advantage, Hong Kong just isn't going to get there. So. Are you are you saying are you keep saying anti-local? Are you saying basically the government doesn't have the confidence in in the local market? Uh, unfortunately, in 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 my industry IT, there's an organisation called OGO, and they're in charge uh, mostly of of IT in Hong Kong, and they have a tremendous anti-local bias. And I've been dealing with them for years and years. It's so frustrating, I can't describe it. It's like an episode of Yes, Prime Minister, but sort of a bit more cynical and, and, and sinister. Why, why do you think they're like that? I really, you know, I, I can guess, but uh, I, I just don't know. I don't understand. I mean, I'm born in Hong Kong. I live in Hong Kong. I work in Hong Kong. I promote Hong Kong all over the world. And yet our very people at the heart of IT and, and government 
just laugh at it and they really don't want to support Hong Kong at all. Right, and, and, and what would they favour? Give me an example in which they favour some, some other... Well, it's, it's, it's like, uh, if you're into Yes Prime Minister, it's like a script from Sir Humphrey, as I say. They keep saying, <laughs> oh, World Trade Organisation, that means we can't sort of, you know, bias anything. And it's like every other country I visit, everything is pro-local, buy-local, do-local... And, you know, they've all signed up to the WTO. So why is it that Hong Kong is so special that they have this amazing excuse? And like I say, then they move to the second excuse of, oh, the Hong Kong market's so small. Why bother? And it's like, well, <laughs> um, maybe we, we want these IT startups to survive. I mean, it's like continually planting seeds, but not wanting to buy the harvest. Okay. Um, so as we integrate uh, more with the Greater Bay Area, w would ho local farms like yours basically um, be up against even more competition from, from the mainland? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's not I think competition's bad. It's just when the bias is so massively anti-local um, and, and you are actually a local firm, it becomes difficult. And we, I mean, at Network Box, don't get me wrong, we, we protect a lot of government departments, but it's in spite of the various powers that be, not, not because of them. Right. Emil Chan, would you agree that, that there needs to be some more support for local developers? I, I, I share the same opinion with Michael, indeed. Uh, so I, I help startups uh, uh, to uh, find businesses in Hong Kong. And it's not only the government, it's a culture in my eyes that uh, local companies, they have a uh, bias on the international or sizable companies' product. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, they want to play safe. So uh, if uh, I'm already using Microsoft for three decades, you know, why change? Okay, so I can only change when Microsoft uh, have a, uh, a startup scheme and then the helping uh, the local startup uh, uh, to, to bring their uh, product onto the marketplace, then I might consider. Okay. So the, uh, uh, as, as you asked uh, earlier on, so uh, introducing those uh, uh, leading IT companies into Hong Kong might be a good solution. So the, rather than uh, asking the government to embrace uh, directly uh, to the local startups, why can't we just uh, set up a scheme uh, why are we introducing those companies into Hong Kong to provide them some favor? But on the other hand, they must uh, have, uh, have a condition, okay, uh, while they can enjoy cheaper labor, uh, uh, cheaper taxation or whatever, or a location to use, uh, then uh, they must uh, uh, work closely with the local startup and share uh, the, uh, the government or uh, the uh, local uh, companies uh, in a nicer way, you know, uh, we buy buyers, right. you know, as the Michael said. Yeah, but this is this kind of thing is happening all over the world, isn't it? Even in Silicon Valley, when you have a good startup and they, you know, yes. Keyhole is, is, is one of them, you know, they got bought by Google, many startups just get eaten up by these giant um, corporation. Um, it, isn't that what's happening here too? And will continue to happen? Emil Chan? Yeah, well, it just started. It just started, as I mentioned, you know, so put uh, the, the uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority as an example. It just started a couple of years ago. So it takes a long while, you know, to uh, go transition. So the, I, I don't see the same in the other department yet. So as, uh, 
uh, uh, microset uh, 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 audio, uh, they are still quite traditional uh, because uh, they are, in my eyes, uh, they have their uh, issues because the, the, the structure that the government is, uh, is set is, is quite traditional. And they are not, in my eyes, uh, like uh, the other countries that they I.O. Uh, uh, reporting to the mayor that uh, they have the authority uh, to uh, get the change or make the change. So now it's still somewhat like uh, a service uh, department uh, to the whole government. So their hands are tied up by uh, the, the structure. Okay. So uh, in order to solve those problems, I think we have to learn from the other cities. Uh, to see how we uh, change the reporting line and change that culture. Okay, Ethan Lai, what do you think? So basically, both Michael Gaisley and Mia Chan are saying there's a lot of government red tape against against these uh, local startup companies. You know, by if if that is true, then then big companies like Microsoft would probably find it easier to set up here. Do you do you think that's the case? Uh, definitely, we have the repetitions, we have the recognitions, right, from the some of the tech. Some of the tech, for example, the GPT model, obviously, nowadays when we think about Microsoft to consume the GPT model nowadays or chat GPT model, very easy to understand, right? Okay. I think uh, definitely, okay, that's sad, okay. Microsoft also gives some help to the local stuff. Really, really wants, okay, our missions of Microsoft is embrace everyone, every people in the planet to achieve more. This is our, our company vision as well, right? Including the local startup. But the key point is, I think definitely, Government, I like what Michael said, right? Okay, exactly. The the recognition of local startup is not good enough, right? Okay, they are one of the they have to buy something or even they have to buy something. But I don't know, right? But just one thing, okay. I think from the local startup perspective, I think we need to do something different, okay, to try to jack uh, direct the eyeball from the government to see our Hong Kong local products, right? For example, the language model, the GPT. If we just create some product navigation GPT. We have a lot of options, okay, in the world. Okay, even a lot of stuff in Silicon Valley, in Singapore, in other countries, even in Japan, they're doing a lot. That's just something like an integration solution to make it happen. But why not we create something product we are very locally, something like a language model for the traditional Chinese in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong style. That's a very something different, right? That's a local, right? If the government, or not just government, right, okay, if the enterprise looking for something like a traditional Chinese or even Hong Kong style version of the language model, they have no choice. Okay, not Microsoft, definitely, right? They've been thinking about the local stock company have the great tech and great research idea to make it happen. The first thing, right? Second thing, I trust our local, uh, the, the, the science of the park as well, the tech park, right, okay? We have two tech parks in Hong Kong. I think they also need to have some role, okay, to do some promotions, educations, to helping their startup in the park, okay, to try to let them in something like a fair, I know they are doing something like this, to try to promote and educate the enterprise or even governments to understand we have the great local starting here and what is their uniqueness and what is the role in Hong Kong, right? Compare, not try to compare, right? Because we, we cannot try to compare a local program with the global, global tech trying company, right? Because this is unique. If you think about to create a local product in Hong Kong, especially on language, on speech, something, or even a in Hong Kong, right? 
we, I, I don't think the tech giant from other from overseas is greater than is greater than Hong Kong or even GPA areas, right? All right, Mr. Chan, what do you think of uh, um, his suggestion? I mean, to create a, a local product, maybe focused on language. Well, yes or no? Uh, of course, it's always good, you know, to have a local product. But the problem is the mindset. You know, I always said is that uh, if it is too local, uh, we only have a few million people's uh, market. So the the trouble is that uh, while we are localizing something, and we have the eye on the world. So at least to the greater Bay Area. So the, on one hand, uh, we can localize uh, those uh, solutions and make it uh, uh, viable uh, into that region. On the other hand, we have to think bigger, uh, think deeper, so that uh, the market size can be enlarged. So uh, in the past, uh, like uh, Michael said earlier on, Hong Kong government focusing too much uh, uh, locally uh, solution. So they, they are using international service providers product to serve uh, local Hong Kong. We got to reverse it. So we got to uh, find out the local company using uh, the local technology to serve, uh, uh, you know, the international market. Then it will be, uh, uh, you know, the right way we have to do in the future. What do you hope to see in today's policy address in terms of, uh, you know, allowing local companies to thrive? <laughs> As uh, Michael said, uh, we have to remove the bias. So we have to uh, make a, 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 a bold uh, uh, course uh, saying that uh, uh, Hong Kong government will support local company with this and that uh, condition. So, so the, with such an uh, introduction, then the Hong Kong government, different various Hong Kong government will start buying Hong Kong uh, products. Uh, then the, we, will, we can solve a lot of problems and then we can attract uh, a lot of international talent to move to Hong Kong because uh, the government is uh, uh, have, have a budget uh, to support uh, this uh, new ecosystem. And uh, Mr. Gaisley, what, what, what do you hope to see? I, I just think that um, internationally, I mean, look, look at the USA, right? They're banning Chinese products. I mean, just completely banning them. They're trying to strategically stop various technologies, chips and so on coming into China. Um, the, the, you know, they're, they're trying so hard to stymie the tech in this part of the world. And yet, as I say, there are people in our own government who are doing their best to support the, you know, the other side, for want of a better term. It just makes no sense to me. That has to change. Yisun Lai, what, what do you hope um, to see in today's policy address in terms of uh, helping Hong Kong develop its uh, IT industry? Mm, maybe some of the policy can say some of the, uh, I cannot say enforcement something, at least the proportion of the technology stack of a product selection something, at least certain amount of percentage must be used. If you're a local on stock company something, right? I'm just thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, on the stock com on the stock listings company, right? Maybe they have the responsibility to take up at least a certain amount of the percentage of the local staff or local company, research company, uh, product and solutions in order to make it regulate, make, uh, make it compliant something, right? Mm, that's okay. my, my two cents. Yeah. All right, so basically everybody's saying go local. Well, yes. thank you very much for yes. your time, everybody. Emil Chan from City University, Michael Gaisley from Networkbox Corporation and Eason Lai from Microsoft.
This Friday morning, 8 till 9, we present the 2023 Policy Address Phone-In with Chief Executive John Lee joining Jim Gold and Janice Wong in the studio to answer your questions and comments on this year's Policy Address. This live broadcast will also be available on RTHK TV 31 and 32, the Facebook pages of Radio 3 and Backchat. Call in early to get in on the show, 2338-8266, to speak with the Chief Executive. As usual, we'll only be taking calls live to air, not reading out emails, but you can comment, as usual, on our Facebook page or email factchat at rthk.hk. Join us for this year's Policy Address Phone-In with the Chief Executive, John Lee, Friday morning at 8, here on 3. Okay, we're now coming up to 10 minutes to 10. And in the second part of the show, we're going to talk about a new exhibit at the Space Museum about black holes. And joining us on the line is Lee Shin Dai, uh, an associate professor researching on black holes at the Department of Physics at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Lee Shin Dai. Uh, hello. Hi. 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 So tell us, what is the fascination with black holes? Okay, so yeah, black hole is a fascinating object. Um, so it's actually a prediction of Einstein's general relativity. So in general relativity, if there is mass, the space-time around it will be curved. And if the mass is so big, then the gravity is very strong and a singularity is produced. But we can also translate this into some um, language, some analogy. Uh, that, like, for example, if we launch a rocket from the Earth, the, the rocket needs to reach a very high speed to escape from the gravity of the Earth. Uh, but you can imagine if we squeeze a lot of matter into a very small region, so if we condense uh, the mass of the sun into a region that is of a size of one kilometer, then the gravity is going to be so strong that even if some matter, some, some object travels at the speed of light, it cannot escape from that gravitational pull. Okay, then so you have a black hole. Yeah, so basically, it's, it's collapsed star in which all of the frequencies—light, sound, everything—is um, just in this hole. It's not coming out. Um, yes, you have that. Yeah. 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 So now this exhibition at, at Hong Kong Space Museum, and by the way, is running between the twenty-fifth of October till the twenty-seventh of May. Anybody interested? Plenty of time to go and see it. But what it's saying is, is it features the anatomy of a black hole, um, and and visitors can see and hear them. Now, I, I, I don't know the details about this exhibit, but, but uh, East and I, what can, you know, everything is in this black hole. What can, how can they simulate what you can see and hear in it? Oh, yeah. So, um, we, black holes are, I mean, you can imagine it is black because light cannot escape from it. But actually, uh, astronomers can observe black holes, and we have observed many black holes. And that is because their materials, uh, there are gas that's falling into some black holes, and in the course of falling into the black holes, they produce some signals in terms of light, uh, and we can observe this type of light and um, understand the properties of the black holes. And then, like you also mentioned, hearing black holes, so that is actually a great analogy for gravitational waves. So, for example, when we have two black holes that are merging into each other, orbiting around each other, uh, they perturb, perturb the space-time around them, so gravitational waves are produced. And like LIGO Laboratory has observed um, such type of gravitational waves. So yeah, we can we can see and, and hear from black holes. 
Right. I'm just looking at uh, the Space Museum's uh, webpage and uh, it's uh, and it tells us that the exhibition will look at the different myths and facts about black holes. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us uh, about some of the facts uh, here, like simple facts that uh, we should know or, or myths? Okay, so... Um Okay, let me let me mention something very simple about black holes. So there are two basic types of black holes. So you mentioned one type is uh, produced from the collapse of a star, and that is the smaller type of black holes. So when stars that are of mass around ten times the mass of our sun dies, um, they can the interior of them can collapse into the singularity. It becomes a black hole, and there are many many of such black holes in one galaxy. And the other type of black hole is very big. So that exists in the center of a galaxy, there is at least one big monster that has the mass of a million to a trillion uh, times the mass of the sun. And our Milky Way galaxy has a such a big black hole in the center of it. Right, so I think probably many people have seen um, the image of the, of the black hole uh, produced by the Event Horizon Telescope. That is the poster used by the Space Museum for this black hole exhibition. So that is actually a real image of um, the black hole in the center of our galaxy taken by the Event Horizon Telescope. Right. And why do you think people are so fascinated about black holes these days? Do you think it is uh, uh, because of what you're just talking about? Um, after uh, the Event Horizon uh, Telescope it created the first ever image of a black hole, w- w- do you think people were more excited about black holes after that image? I think people are excited for many reasons. And uh, one of the most fundamental reasons is like the black holes have been, um, has been like, um, theoreticized for many decades and yeah people have observed them but this is for the first time that a kind of like a real image or extended image has been taken for a black hole but also i think like people are interested in black holes just because it's mysterious it's puzzling and the physics around it is so extreme so it is out of our outside our everyday experience so um yeah but that's that's why people are interested in it well what are some of the let's say, uh, uses in understanding science that black holes to contribute? For example, um, can we extract energy from black holes? We can. Actually, we can. So um, I'm not saying we are able to do that yet, but uh, actually in in nature, in the universe, the energy is being extracted from black holes at all times. Uh, So this is also, again, using general relativity. Uh, The space-time could be rotating around a black hole if the black hole is rotating. And uh, there is the so-called Blanford-Zinek effect. That is, uh, if you have lots of magnetic flux entering that rotating region of the space-time, then some um, mechanism can happen. So the black hole's energy can be converted, black hole's rotation energy, can be converted to electromagnetic energy that is extracted from the black hole. Okay. Um, what about looking back in time, you know, because they are collapsed stars, so understanding black holes, how does it help us understand what happened in the past? Right. Okay. So light travels at a finite speed. That means if we, we look back, the, the further we look back uh, in, in time, actually, uh, we, we could know... Um, the further we look back in space, in distance, we can know like the things that happened a while ago. 
So um, actually black holes exist, the big black holes exist almost since the beginning of the universe. And um, a lot of the, uh, the galaxies around it have been evolving together with the black hole at all times. And so scientists actually design telescopes to look back in time to detect these big black holes and the galaxies around them. So in particular, we're exciting telescope called James Webb Space Telescope has just been launched about two years ago to detect the emissions of this first generation of black holes and galaxies. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so there's a lot we can do to study what happened in the past and especially how the universe has evolved together with these big black holes. All right. And when we when we talk about this uh, new space museum exhibition, I'm sure like uh, it will attract many adults and, and also many kids, of course. And uh, well, when I talk about uh, black holes with my kid, one of the things he's most uh, fascinated about is uh, spaghettification. <laughs> Can you tell us a yeah. bit about that? I mean, the, the, the stretching of uh, objects in the black hole, is that what it is? Right. So that is actually also an effect of gravity. And so because gravity, the, 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 the value of that depends on the distance. So you can imagine if a person is getting close to the black hole, and then if the foot is a little bit closer to the black hole than the head, and then the foot is receiving a much bigger gravity, a gravitational pull from the black hole than the head, then this person is stretched, very uh, unfortunately. And then people give this a name called sp- spaghettification, as you said. Yeah, so but this is basically something called a tidal force. And it's the same kind of force that is causing tides on Earth is because of this gravity from the moon and the sun. Just it's a more extreme version of gravity from the black hole. So tidal force can um, be very effective around black holes. They can not just like spaghettify persons, but also they can actually destroy stars. And that's actually what my research is about. Right. And, and I'm not really sure like when when we had a black hole exhibition in the past. I'm not sure if this is the first major one that we've had here. But what does that actually signify? Does it, does it uh, uh, represent uh, um, how black holes are now uh, more important uh, to us? Or, or is this uh, represent how we have a better understanding of black holes? Is that why we have an exhibition like this? I think, yeah, I think we have more understanding of black holes through this uh, new program such as the Event Horizon Telescope the LIGO observatories. So I think generally the mass public is much more interested in black holes and astronomy and, and STEM at this point. And also I think this uh, means the, the government is paying more attention to STEM, which I think is a, is a good thing in general. All right. And will you be seeing the, uh, will you be visiting the exhibition? I will. Actually, uh, I think one of the posters is about my research and uh, I will also be giving a talk about black holes Uh, and also many other colleagues uh, in January and February next year. Okay, thank you very much, Professor Dai, for joining us this morning. So that was Lixin Dai, um, an associate professor from the University of Hong Kong's Department of Physics. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and to my co-host Janice Wong and our producer Raphael Blair. Thanks, Jenny. And uh, just a reminder that the policy address will be coming up later this morning. Back chat uh, will, of course, uh, talk about it tomorrow. And the chief executive, John Lee, will be joining our special phone-in on Friday between 8 to 9 a.m. So if you have have any questions for the chief executive, remember to call in early. Our number is 233 And Brunch with Noreen is coming up next.